All right, so we were listening to a conversation I had with Laura Schroff. Uh, that is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And I want to bring on my next guest. David Oates is an author of the book, The Mountains of Paris, How Awe and Wonder Rewrote My Life. Good morning. Good morning, Janine. Thank you for taking the time to call in. You know, when I heard about your book and I... I'm aware of the importance of awe in our lives because we mm. take things for granted. I, I was really inspired to have you on. Oh, thank you so much. I, you know, I had so much fun writing this book. <laughs> That's great. Tell me about that. Oh, well, I've, I've written uh, quite a few books ahead of this, and, you know, they're always a lot of work, and you get real serious. And, my goodness, the, the topic, you know, how awe and wonder kind of, you discover them to be transformative and important. That sounds like a weighty topic, and it is. But when I started writing about it, I found myself going down this track of, of remembering moments in my life where I had been moved by something so much bigger than myself. And I found those moments were really accessible. They were, it was like they had happened yesterday or ten minutes ago. And it was really a fun process and a kind of a learning curve for me as as I discovered how to put myself into the mind of myself That's great. a year ago or 10 years ago or I'm getting up in years, it could be five decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so although it sounds like a very solemn topic, and it, and it is, it's important, uh, in fact, it's a way of reconnecting with your own experience that is it just it sends shivers up and down your spine, just like um, it might have done when you experienced it. <laughs> so let me share something with you. The name of my show is Get the Funk Out. Uh-huh. And when I, when I saw your book, I thought, you know, more people need to be aware that a lot of times, you know, obviously life is filled with these ups and downs and a lot of downs. But if you step outside into nature, you really can find some, you know, make some sense of what, you're going through and possibly find some answers, but it does, it is transformative. Oh, it, to- it totally is. I, I love the, the name, by the way, Thank Get you. the Funk Out. Um, I start my book off with uh, one of those maybe a little too funky moments in my life. When I was a young man in college, I was in a, a small evangelical college, and I was um, really struggling. I was in kind of deep trouble, and I spent a whole night uh, walking and praying and I'm sorry to say, uh, weeping, mm-hmm. because uh, I was the gay kid in the Baptist pew. And in that era, in the mid-60s, boy, that was something you could not be. You just were not right. right. I really internalized a lot of negative stuff, and I found myself walking and walking and walking, and I came, this was in Santa Barbara where the little college was, and I found myself on the bluff overlooking the ocean, Right at, at the beginning of sunrise. Whoa. Oh, and I, it, it kind of jolted me, the beauty of it mm-hmm. and the scale of it, you know, the, the hugeness yes. <laughs> of this place that we live. Yeah. And the, just the unaccountable hereness and realness of it kind of jolted me out of all my grieving and, you know, hand-wringing and self-pitying, I'm sorry to say. Mm-hmm. And it became kind of a touchstone for me. I thought, man, this is bigger than me, and I want more of that and yeah. less of this little little weepy self that I find myself in. And that's kind of the, the track that the whole book explores, is 
how those moments take you out of your funk (laughs) and put you into some better better version of yourself, really. But let me interject something, because I think sometimes, you know, being a weepy mess is a good thing. Mm. And I felt like listening to your story, you might have thought it was a terrible thing and you were a, you know, mess. But think about it. You kind of work through all these emotions and then you get to the the edge, literally. And then you look mm. out and you're like, okay, now I'm ready. Yeah, it can definitely crack you open. Mm-hmm. And that sounds painful and, and it might be painful, but boy, it's worth doing. Yeah. It's worth finding a route to be something more than just kind of stuck in your time and place, inside your skin, inside your, you know, struggle to pay the bills or, or please mom and dad or whatever whatever struggle it is you're caught in. Yeah. If it leads, as you say, to a moment of, of being sort of shocked out of your skin, then, boy, it is really worth it. Yes. So where did things go from there? Did you find yourself traveling? What happened? You know, the best thing that happened was that I got into a program. It was a sort of outward bound style uh, stress education program for troubled kids. Mm-hmm. And as a college student, I was, of course, full of energy and I uh, was fairly physical. I'd been a long-distance runner for many years. And I got recruited to be a counselor in this, although it, was, it wasn't Outward Bound, which has money and resources. It was a shoestring version of it. <laughs> and we, we climbed and hiked our kids all over the Sierra Nevadas in California. Beautiful. And, oh, it was fantastic. We would, we would take them for uh, seven days into a base camp and train them and then take them on a 12-day expedition into the backcountry on foot, Amazing. heading up for the high country. And... It was so good for me. Oh, uh, I did that for four four summers, and then it just became the habit of the best habit of my life was to take as much time summer or other seasons and get up mm. far back and way high up if I could. And I would say, Janine, for maybe ten or fifteen years, I practiced that as a way of getting past my grief. That's great. Yeah, it was, it was so abundant, you know? Right. And it was free, and it was beautiful beyond my ability to comprehend. And, you know, the night sky is the night sky. You don't have to be up in the mountains to get it. Yes. You just open your peepers, <laughs> and you look up, mm-hmm. and you choose a night without clouds, which is tricky here in Portland where I'm calling you from, uh, and preferably without a moon, and <laughs> let, let the stars just carry you up and out, and uh, it's a universal human experience. It isn't limited to ex-Baptists or any other category. It's our common human heritage mm-hmm. to stand in this big space and say, whatever this is, it's beautiful, and it's out of scale with anything I can think. And you feel your, your spirit, your, you know, your inner self, kind of, first of all, it, it kind of, shrinks you think oh wow i am so small and insignificant definitely but the next moment is a kind of it's like an intake outtake of breath you find yourself expanding out into that space which you are sort of in some way holding in your mind and so there's this interesting kind of it's almost like a heartbeat you know lub-dub the intake of, of smallness and mereness and then this beautiful 
expansion where you say, well, I don't know what it is, but somehow or other, I'm the one who's looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the one who's standing here. And, and in, that, in that sense, you're sort of connected to it. Yeah. It's a sense of savoring. That, um, it is. Savoring, because we, we tend not to savor those moments, and it, it's so easy, like, oh, i got to take the dog out. And then to yeah. not look up at the sky, and then suddenly look up and think, whatever was stressing me out seems so insignificant compared to this amazing sight. Yeah. It, it doesn't always happen, but, you know, if you let yourself be open. I think that for sure I, I needed to learn how to do that more often in my life because it was a struggle. Right. And I think without intending to, I sort of developed the habit of it, which, which is kind of one of the things my book is about, um, developing that habit of noticing. And yeah. it's not such a big deal. It's just sort of a, an intentionality, and uh, you kind of you learn to look. It doesn't have to be only those giant moments, you know, the huge technicolor sunset right. or the big night sky when you get it. It can also be things that are very small and beautiful. The, the cliché is, is smelling the roses, but like a lot of clichés, there's this big truth behind it. You just take a pause and you look at that flower. Yes. And you say, hmm, this isn't as big as the cosmos, but it is as mysterious as the cosmos, what in the world creates this beauty? Um, science can give us a lot of good answers, and I, I've spent a lot of time looking at science and reading it and letting it lead me forward, but it gets to a threshold where the mystery is still there. That's, wow. That's amazing. And, all, you know, it's a little flower, dude. Don't get, don't get all <laughs> cosmic. But it, Well, yeah, but it is cosmic. It's existing here, and for some reason it decided to be beautiful, and for some reason, my sense of what beauty is connects with that. I love what that. Is, what is that all about? Yeah. <laughs> but that's a great skill for people to learn at a younger age because, obviously, as I said earlier, you know, you're going to go through these bumpy roads in life, and not n having coping skills is not a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's an easy thing to make the bumpy aspect of life, to take that as what your real story is. You know, oh, I'm the guy who struggled, or I'm the woman who, who persevered and went through this and this and this and this, and I'm still here. And that sort of heroic struggle story is easy to grasp to your heart and say, that's who I am. Yes. And it is, it may be in some ways who you are. But what this other direction taught me was, as I started writing the book and I, I started reassembling these moments that had been recurrent, in all parts of my life, I thought, hmm, what if, what if that were the real story of my life? Yes. Not the struggle, not the woe is me stuff, but the, the abundance that has been showered down on me, not because I deserve it or because I earned it, but just because I'm a living being and I opened my eyes and opened my ears and breathed in, and there it was. And it kind of offers this alternative version of your life if you, sure. if you care to take it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to uh, just mention your website. Could you throw that out for the listeners in case they want to find out more about it? Sure. You? Okay. If you want to find out a little bit more, it's my name, David Oates, O-A-T-E-S, dot info. Okay, and I put all your info about your book and you up on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And David Oates is the author of The Mountains of Paris, 
How Awe and Wonder Rewrote My Life. Thank you so much for calling into the show, and happy holidays. Thanks so much. I've enjoyed it. Fantastic. Uh, and Happy New Year, by the way. Oh, yes, it's right on the way. <laughs> yes. All right. Take care, David. Thanks so much. Thank you, Janine. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, again, if you missed any part of this, the MP3, the podcast, will be up on my show blog, uh, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, within an hour. After I wrap, I have another guest calling in, and she's been on before, but she's got a new book. Uh, next up is Shannon Kaiser, and she's an empowerment coach and best-selling wellness author of Joy Seeker, and she's got a really interesting sh- story to, s- to share about Climbing the corporate ladder only to end up with clinical depression, anxiety, addiction, and eating disorders, and how she found her way through. And we're going to talk about her new book and a lot more. We'll take a little break. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.